Hello and welcome to Season 2 of Music Rewind, a podcast where we look to tell the stories behind our favorite albums. I'm your host, Steve Epley, and in each episode, I will invite a guest on to tell us about their favorite music album, how they discovered it, and what makes it special to them. Musicians, podcasters, audio engineers, or anyone with a passion for creating quality audio content needs the right equipment to make it happen. Look no further than Zounds. Zounds is the perfect place to get everything you need at a good price, delivered right to your home. Guitars, keyboards, microphones, amps, anything you need, Zounds has it. Please use the link in the show notes for the best music equipment sales online. Today, I have the honor of speaking with a fellow podcaster, Bruce Carlson. Bruce is the host of the podcast, My History Can Beat Up Your Politics, a show that looks at history and applies it to current events, how past events can repeat in different contexts and how lessons learned or unlearned impact us today. Today's a special treat for me because Bruce's show is one that I've listened to and enjoyed for many years, and he has been an unknown podcast mentor to me. Welcome, Bruce, and thank you for being on the show. Well, thanks. It's, it's great to be on. Appreciate it, and, and good luck with this podcast. Thank you. And for those that haven't found uh, Bruce's, uh, please check out that one out. I highly, highly recommend it. All right, Bruce, uh, let's jump right into this. Uh, what album would you like to bring to the table and why is it special to you? Sure. It's Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska. <laughs> And probably, and it may be one of the reasons I like it, half the people that are Springsteen fans even, or somewhat Springsteen fans, are going to say, which album? Nebraska? I never heard of it. You know, it's not, and that's kind of the reason I like it among many other things. Uh, it is not his most well-known album. A lot of fans think it's his best. Uh, that's a hard one with Springsteen to me, what's actually best, but it's a very good album. And uh, it's a I like listening to it, um, particularly for me, it's always, it has mostly been on cassette and now recently on an MP3 format, but it's always been kind of a cassette album for me. It's got some great Jersey country, dark songs. Um, and it's just different from a lot of what a, a Springsteen has done, uh, but not completely different. And it's different from the music that came out at the time. And, and, and it's just a different album from a lot of other albums. Yeah. This one kind of threw me. I was not expecting this album at all. And it's definitely a different take on the Bruce that I've listened to and seen live. I did get a chance to see Springsteen live. And the only song that I knew off this was Atlantic city. And I didn't mm -hmm. know that's where it came from. Yeah, Atlantic City is is probably, and, and it's a great moment in the album, between Nebraska, the song Nebraska and Atlantic City, that moment where Atlantic City kicks off is, is a good moment. Especially when, you, you know, when people talk about like why you listen to a whole album uh, versus like a song, like after you've heard Nebraska, like Atlantic City has new meaning. It's a great, it, it's bell ringing song it's it's the faster song it's a song where you can imagine and i know there has been recordings and performances you can imagine a full band in it but in this song there is no full band in fact 
it is technically Bruce Springsteen's first solo album. Yeah, there's no E Street band on this at all. No, no E Street bands. No, no Clarence. No saxophone. And of course, that's a that could be considered a negative because Clarence is great. That's and true. Yeah. Bruce's um, kind of secret Motown or Asbury soul side of him is really brings a lot to his music. And in this way, it's shared with like Darkness and the Edge of Town album. Like there is none of that. It is very plain. And he has um, it's a solo album, but it's kind of an unintentional solo album in that it was a demo that Springsteen just decided between he and uh, one of his uh, producers, we're just going to release this. This needs to be this. And this demo tape that I'm holding in my pocket. And literally this is the whole story of Nebraska that just makes it even more interesting. The more you learn about it, like, you know, you listen to the album and then if you learn the story behind the album, there's even more interest, particularly if you, if one is a Springsteen fan that uh, he had this um, demo tape in his pocket for weeks, just did not follow any of the recording procedures recorded it on a small portable recorder and then treated this tape horribly. And, and, but in that process, it kind of added to the rawness of the sound. And that's when they decided that it was just supposed to be a demo and the E street band was going to record it. And, uh, oh, okay. They decided to release it as it is. So he didn't re-record what was on the demo, just solo. It just, they took that demo as is. That's right. In wow. fact, um, yeah. In fact, the sound quality, it gives it this, um, almost unintended, but I think in the end Springsteen decided to, after listening and listening to this older, uh, kind of worn out tape that it gives it this kind of dark, I, I describe it as desaturated, just like the album covers, just this hard to see road with a car windshield. Um, just this kind of like, to say dark, it's beyond dark. It's the darkest and the lyrics are dark and the stories are sometimes horrific. Um, the first song right out of the gate celebrates a, uh, a mass murderer. Of course, that mass murder had already been celebrated in the movie is in quotes celebrated in the movie Badlands, which Springsteen was a big movie watcher. And he's always trying to create a movie type sound with his albums. So no surprise he picked up on that. But it is a dark story. Uh, and and it, that sound, uh, the, um, the, the way the demo tape is plays gives us this kind of fuzzy sound, this kind of like haunting sound. There's definitely, he did use a, um, it was, had just been invented at the time. And this album is recorded in 1982 and it just been invented where they had a portable recorder that wasn't a real to real, that uh, wasn't a special type of tape. It was a regular standard cassette tape. And that's what he used. Uh, when they go to cut the record later, the record company nearly could not release this as a vinyl album because to do that, you have to uh, actually cut into um, the vinyl, the master record. And all they had was this cassette tape and the sound, the resolution is so low that they were having trouble cutting into the record. Huh. And only um, I believe they found some older system 
in the in the basement or something that was able to do the do the recording because otherwise this was almost released as a cassette tape only. Now for me, that's the way I listen to it most of the time, either in a car or on a cassette Walkman. Anyway, um, now you're you're from Jersey, right? I am from Jersey. Yes. So you, and you my were name's... so you were raised on Bruce Springsteen since his beginning, I assume. I was. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's real. There's no, there's no phony business about that in New Jersey. We really do. I mean, I, I'm sure there's people that don't like him, but generally speaking, it's, it's like, uh, um, yeah, he's definitely like a state treasure. There's no doubt about it. And he had, uh, and this is a good time period to talk about because this is before a superstardom. Nebraska, you're coming off the River album, Yes, Born to Run was a huge hit, but Born to Run was kind of just a hit like any other in the middle of the 70s. It didn't make Springsteen a superstar. He got a lot of attention from it, and it's a big, it was a big song, and the album performed well. But I don't think you would say superstar until you're getting to Born in the USA. This is the album before Born in the USA. In, indeed, out of this process comes... Born in the USA, because this was a song that would have been included on Nebraska. He actually recorded it on that recorder. That oh, remained okay. a demo, didn't make this album. But the rest of the songs, they just, I think there are almost a dozen recorded. The rest of the songs, they decided, yeah, we got to release this as it is. Because if we put the band behind it, it's going to lose some of the haunting uh, some of the uh, bluesy nature, the folky nature of it, and just Springsteen, his voice, his harmonica, a light guitar, sometimes two guitars, not, not on all the songs even, sometimes it's one guitar, and that connection between Springsteen and the audience, so it's huge. But yeah, Jersey, we love them. Uh, I wouldn't say that uh, Nebraska is the album that everyone's talking about in New Jersey. First of all, he used the, the title as Nebraska, right? Yeah, yeah, that would throw some people. And it should, and it really is a misnomer because it's because of the first track that it's called Nebraska. And I also think it's some vague reference on Springsteen's part to like a place far away down the road. It's definitely a Jersey person's version of Nebraska on this album, right? It's not, he's not singing. There's only about one or two songs that I could say exist in kind of a country atmosphere, like maybe my father's house and uh, mansion on the hill highway patrolman. Cause we don't use that. We use state trooper in New, in New Jersey, not highway patrolman. So there's a couple references that, okay, it's out there. But I think what you got to think about is the Jersey person's version of what's far away. Like if I went on a road trip, it's like, oh, Nebraska. And then also um, it's uh, the songs are all, most of the songs and the lyrics are totally Jersey. There's, there's a couple that take place, that, that name drop. Like I think Michigan, I think is, uh, is highway patrolman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, M- Michigan or or Ohio, one one of the mm-hmm. two, because he talks about being on the Michigan line. Bruce as the the folk singer, you know, th- these album or these these songs, they they invoke this image to me of you know a, a roadside bar with mm-hmm. a guy in the corner. Maybe you're paying mm-hmm. attention to him, maybe you're not, but he's just he's singing these songs, and th- that's the atmosphere. Whether anyone's paying attention to him or not, he's t- he's there to tell these stories, and it's up to the listener to pay attention. I agree. And it's, and it's intimate. It's yes. you and Springsteen. And I think 
that was, I believe that's what's behind his decision, which in 1982, right? Remember, this is the, the new wave era. This is when you're hearing synth pop songs and some, some rock and roll and, and blondie and punk and things that are starting to punk new wave, starting the go-go's, the police, things like this. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska is definitely counter to all of this. It's very intimate. It's you and him. And then he's telling these desperate stories. And I think he decided that if he added a saxophone, he'd lose that, right? He'd lose that connection mm-hmm. between you and him. And, and there's no one at the bar except for you and the singer or a few people. And, you know, and you're, you're eating the peanuts and drinking the beer and, and the songs convey that. And, and um, yeah, and it's bluesy in a way, in its own way. And I, that's why I like the album. I think it's like, uh, just like, why would anybody listen to anything depressing, right? Well, what's blues about? Why do we have blues, right? And it's the same effect, I believe, with Nebraska. I just think sometimes riding on the, you know, riding on the road, maybe you have a bad day or something. And, that, and surprisingly enough, an album about a person singing about bad things is a little cathartic. That's what I find. Yeah, and there's definitely not a lot of hope on this album. It, the the tales are are dark. They're they're depressing. If you're if you if you are paying attention to the lyrics, there's there's a lot of uh, uh, just a lot of resonance regarding poverty and uh, mm-hmm. desperation. People at the end of their line and they have to make decisions because of that. Yeah, and I can put my history can beat up your politics hat on a bit. You know this this does exist in a context. I mean, this is the 1982. Recession. It really is the tail end of '81. Some called the Reagan recession, and at the time it was called that. Um, clouded because the economy is going to get better later, but at the time nobody knows that. And when he's recording this, it, it, it's picked up in the lyrics. There's a lot of factories closing. It was a big blue collar recession, and really it was damaging because. I was just looking at, you know, it, it, it's funny in, in preparation for the music rewind podcast, I was looking at some economic, uh, uh, tables, but I was looking at GDP growth, 1960 to 2008. It is the biggest drop down in GDP growth until you get to the 2008 recession, this quick little 18, um, sorry, 1982. And, uh, again, though, it was more damaging for a lot of people because they lost union and blue collar jobs that aren't necessarily, you know, factory worker becomes a security guard type thing. So it was a very um, damaging uh, recession. And he's putting that into this music. It's um, it's very dark. So the people that he might have sang about in the 70s, like if he's singing about factory workers in darkness on the edge of town, already a kind of dark album. Now I think it goes from dark to desperate between that, like born to run, born to run. It's kind of like, let's escape. Let's have fun. Let's hit the road. Darkness on the edge of town is kind of like, okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about work, the working life and it's bad sides and things, but they're working. By the time you get to Nebraska, it's like, you got a guy, the auto plant, you know, shuts down. If you're looking at the Johnny 99 song, auto plant shuts down. So he turns into a life of crime and then ends up being on uh, murderer's row. So I think um, it, it, it is in a context. He didn't want that colored version of America that was happening in the 80s. In fact, one of the ironies is he writes Ford to run. 
they released it in 1984 as an album, much more dressed up than this album. That gets used by the Reagan campaign and other people. It's definitely <laughs> yeah. like used as a pro-American song. And Springsteen looks at it like they don't, they are not listening to my lyrics. This is a guy about a distraught, you know, Vietnam vet. But mm-hmm. it didn't matter because the music sold that image in that album. This album wouldn't perform that function. So he is being political, as Springsteen is known to do and really has been his entire career. He is being a little political in 1982, just just playing against that type. So, so you mentioned that you listened to it on cassette. Uh, has that... That that evokes, you know, you have to kind of listen to it straight through. Um, mm-hmm. But but walk me through the album from your point of view. Do you do you skip around now with the ability to to, to select tracks, or do you still just go th- straight through? Yeah, I think um, uh, I try not to. I will listen to Atlantic City and State Trooper as separate singles from time to time. I think those two songs have the um, the heft to kind of survive. Uh, I think it's an ex- Nebraska in particular loses something if you do. I think all albums do, right? I mean, I would not to go on a tangent, but I would say the same thing about Fleetwood Mac rumors or or even the Joshua Tree. Like you really gotta you gotta listen to albums they're intended. Um, one thing that he does is slow song, fast song, slow song, fast song, and that stays through the album. So Nebraska is slow. Atlantic City is um, yeah, you're right. So then he slows you down with Mansion. He speeds you up with Johnny. Slows you down with Highway Patrolman. And there, there's an effect there. It's definitely easing uh, some of. Um, you don't want to lose the listener's attention with too much slow. I don't want to say the songs get hopeful just because they're fast, because they actually don't. But I think you have to listen to Nebraska to, and then be brought into that moment of Atlantic City with that ringing bell acoustic guitar and that little bit of um of uh, uh dubbed guitar and oh, dubbed vocals and just springsteen manipulating his voice or adopting a voice of a more desperate person from the town of Lincoln, Nebraska with a sawed off 14 on my leg you know, when he sings in Thunder Road, when he sings in, in Born to Run or Jungle Land, you know, that is a confident speaker. He's 25 years old, but it's like this really confident voice that sounds like 50 or something. And when you get to this album, he his voice betrays on purpose, I believe, a little edginess, little little um, concern that Atlantic City narrator is is. And again, one thing I think it's important for people who understand that song is we're talking about 1982. They just started gambling in Atlantic City. There was a lot of mob connections going on. There were shootings and there was gangland fighting. Um, The song opens up. They blew up the chicken man in Philly last night. That refers to a real mob hit that occurred in in Philadelphia, the guy that was the chicken man. They blew up the chicken man in Philly last night. Now they blew up his house too. Down on the boardwalk, they're getting ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do. Um, the construction contracts with the new casinos in Atlantic City caused a, a huge increase in mob 
um, violence and in mob um, taking over of Atlantic City. It's so it, it's a much more desperate place. A lot of people now will say Atlantic City, and if they're from my area, it's like, oh, it's a fun place to go, and I like to go to the casinos and bet and stuff and flashing lights. Now it had about two or three working casinos at that point. It was still a very a lot of places had shuttered at that point that he's writing it. So it's a desperate song about a desperate place. Well, and a desperate man as well, because the the story mm-hmm. is is that the the guy singing that song ends up working for the mafia. The way I listen to it, you know, yep. as that's his only choice to make any money. And there's a great, you know, I can't ever get away from history and politics, but there's a great right at the time this album's coming out. So Atlantic City gets this mayor. This guy, he came from nowhere. He was nowhere in the polls, and all of a sudden, within a month or so, he becomes the mayor of Atlantic City. He skyrockets and wins the election. Of course, he's sounds, got mobs. Sounds legit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, he's got mobs, so he lets the mob do whatever they want. They pretty quickly put him in jail. Probably by the time this is, he's already being, uh, he's already being arrested. And many Atlantic City mayors will go to jail. It, it's a, it's a, it's a tale that happens there. So it's a desperate, yeah, exactly. It's a desperate song. A person that a narrator that's like, I want to have this quick trip, and you know, put on your dress. But we got to go quick, and I don't have a lot of money, and I'm doing this job that I don't want to do, which. Sounds like it's a hit of some kind, you know, but he just kind of hints at it. Everything dies, baby, that's a fact. Maybe everything that dies someday comes back. Put your makeup on, fix your hair pretty, and meet me tonight in Atlantic City. I, I thought you were gonna, about to tell me there's a politician in Atlantic City that, that used this song to campaign on <laughs> without... <laughs> Without paying attention to its lyrics. <laughs> no, I mean, he did. Bruce did try to do a, um, he did do an MTV video. There again, totally playing against the times. Springsteen releases a video. It's all black and white, and it's got pictures of Atlantic City, which at the time wouldn't have um, very much going on there. It's pretty much like empty, shuttered hotels on the beach. And, and that's what he uses for his video. Totally, you know, up against like, Aha and other bands that are doing these bright and very fast moving music synth videos, you know, and uh, so I find that funny. But yeah, no, it's it's a uh, desperation is a key theme of this. Like I see that in Johnny Ninety Nine. go to the judge and asking like i don't want a life sentence i want i don't want 99 years i want the death penalty uh highway patrolman where there's a desperate story that the highway patrolman who is you know obviously enforcing the law yeah that's the one with his brother right i always done an honest job as honest as i could I got a brother named Frankie, and Frankie ain't no good. Yeah, he has to uh, free his brother and then let his brother run away. State Troopers got like one of the best lines, I think. It's just New Jersey Turnpike riding on a wet night neath the refinery glow. 
out where the great black rivers flow. New Jersey This whole album and a lot of Springsteen, but particularly this album, if you're in, you grew up in Jersey and you're riding around in your car at night. I don't want to say, I know there's got to be other States that are similar. So I don't want to be like, so Jersey centric like that, but there's something about Jersey because it's always, and even at this time been densely populated. So the, while you might get industrial in, in a lot of States, it's packed and you, there's a lot of lights and things like that. The refinery between uh, you know, near Newark Airport, how far is something that a lot of visitors see, this huge glow that lights up the turnpike. The Black Rivers, I don't know, you know, the rivers are not, they're, they're in, in uh, you know, places where factories are or were at the time recording, and they're not great water quality, let's just say. Uh, but then he says, license registration, I ain't got none, but I got a clear conscience about the things that I've done. And it's just like the Jersey drive, you know, a guy driving on the turnpike, he doesn't want the state trooper to stop him. That's the, the key to the song. Please don't stop me. And I think it's just like, hey, we may not all have the secret that this guy's had, but I think a lot of times riding on that turnpike, we got a lot of cops in New Jersey. Between the towns and the state trooper, there's a, there's a lot of personnel. You know, it's pretty common to see cops out there. You know, you're always kind of like, oh, am I speeding? Like, I don't want this guy to see me, you know. It's kind of <laughs> so they're very Jersey, you know, for anybody in Jersey, the songs, the lyrics do hit, you know, as desperate as they are. And, and there's also, I think, some autobiographical stuff very personal to Bruce of this, like such as used cars, where yeah, that's you know, he's never gonna buy a used car again, you know, making a promise to himself for the future. Yeah, I mean, I think two song. I think everything's a little personal with with Bruce Springsteen. I do believe that he writes uh, everything. You got to think of is like images that he creates. Now I march your fingers, her wedding band, watches the salesman stare at my woman's hand. The sound picture, like the. He's always making the soundtrack to a movie that hasn't been released yet. In the case of Nebraska, it was a movie, and he rewrote the words and rewrote the music to it, and and re, and rewrote the the story in his own his own images. It's never it's rarely deep. It's not like you're gonna have to pull out. And and, and I don't want to get the wrong impression. Like it's very smart lyrics. It's very impression. You know, it's very clever. But what I mean is you're not going to open up the Bible or a lot of literature to read um, Springsteen and to, you know, to read into his lyrics. He's a big, um, you know, Dylan is a big influence on him, but Springsteen's not Dylan. Springsteen really, you should be able to get, get it really um, what he's saying. There's usually not too much there. And so things like with used cars, it's just kind of, um, I love this line. Uh, where where the family is at the uh, used car dealership, and it's like my mom she fingers her wedding band and watches the salesman stare at my old man's hands. He's telling us about the break he'd give us if he could, but he just can't. Well, if I could, I swear I know just what I'd do. You know, you don't need a lecture on poverty or class Ooh. in America 
to understand those lyrics. And uh, I come from a family that's maybe not at that quite level, but you know, we're not, we were too far. There are a lot of used cars in my family. I don't think we ever were saying like, we'll never get another used, but um, you know, it's definitely that salesman stare at my old man's hands. You know, there's just nothing you can do. It's desperate. And I think that's very personal. It's a good, it's a good song. And then my father's house is another one. Yeah. Very personal. His voice is almost like he has a cold or something, you know, he's really gravelly in that, in that voice to give this impression that it's a, and it's only a light guitar. So it's just him and you and the guitar. I broke through the trees and there in the My father's house stood shining hard and bright. I think, you know, he's talking about his father's house and the distance and a dream. And that was one where when I first was listening to the album, I might, you know, uh, you had asked earlier, like about cassette tape li listening. And I did fast forward sometimes. I mean, there wasn't always a, you don't have to do the straight. You can fast forward. You can flip the, the cassette to the other side, you know, with the cassette Walkman um, and those type of things. I, you know, there was a time I re picked up the cassette again and, uh, you know, it being in like 2019 in New York city and having a cassette Walkman and <laughs> people are amazed. It's like having some magic device when you do that, when you take <laughs> the cassette out and flip it to the other side, uh, you know, it's amazing, but you could do things like that. And I might've fast forwarded this song, as I learned more about Bruce Springsteen's story and realized the problems he had with his father and his um, Bruce Springsteen had depression. His father obviously had depression by Springsteen's own account. Um, Springsteen's father was just a person. It wasn't like that. He, as far as I know, they like hit him or anything like that. It's just a very, he was a guy that would make a negative comment every time he was drinking like, you know, six pack of beer in a day in the house. Mm -hmm. Springsteen coming and get, Oh, you got that guitar again. It's just a very negative influence in his life. Never happy, never satisfied. Springsteen becomes famous, ends up setting them up. I think in California, him and the father, you know, him and the mother, there's no thank you. There's just nothing from the father. It's like finally towards the end of his father's life, and this, at this point, Springsteen is born to run's been put out. Springsteen's a superstar. You know, the father said something to the effect like, yeah, I guess you did pretty well for yourself. And I didn't really do that much for you. <laughs> I mean, and, and that struggle with you just not getting anything back. And that gave me a new appreciation for my father's house, the what's in there. Uh, you know, because otherwise you might think it's Dylan-esque. Maybe it's deeply symbolic and there's maybe some biblical. It could be some biblical, you know, a little bit of that there, but it, it really, I think is it's personal story. No, I think it's a, it's a good comparison as far as at least an influence from Dylan, but, but Dylan always had, you know, two, three meanings of subtext with his, with his words and his different types of poetry. Whereas this is definitely feels more raw and just it's, he's putting it all out there on the surface. I think Springsteen gives you pictures, you know, he gives you mm -hmm. pictures, gives you images. Um, that open all night is a goodie there. It's like, uh, that would have been one of them. When I first started listening, it's like, okay, let me fast forward to state trooper. That's the song I like, but it eventually you get, you start appreciating albums as out, al 
percent. And that open all night, that lick in the beginning, it's the only one with an electric guitar. That is an electric guitar. This one's the only upbeat, almost yeah. almost happy. It is. It's almost. It is almost happy. There's a hint. Of, this is where the desperation's hinted at a bit. But he's excited about seeing his girlfriend, the narrator, mm-hmm. who works at the the big boy at at the rest stop on the Jersey Turnpike. And I love it. It's like you know, behind the counter, Route 60s Bob, big boy fried chicken on the front seat. She's sitting on my lap. We're wiping our fingers on a Texaco roadmap. I just love it. That's, the image is great. I mean, that, that's all it is. I don't think there's a lot deep stuff there with Springsteen. He changes lyrics a lot. He had notebooks full of lyrics. There's repeat lyrics in some of these songs, and he did that on the river, and he did that in a lot of places. That um, I did notice that, like like Weary Eyes uh, just mm-hmm. jumped out at me on a couple tracks. Yeah. The, the radio relay towers, you know, which is, I, you know, who drives in New Jersey doesn't see radio relay towers all, you know, all around little red lights blinking the top of them and stuff. And he's got that in a couple of, couple of songs. And I don't think that's see again, like that's where I really, you know, and, and I could be wrong, but I, some things I've heard him say and what he's important to him is this kind of sound picture, like this making a movie out of the album in your head and he could go he and the East street band members and his friends would go to a ton of movies. He said really like reading books. He read a lot of books. He took a creative writing class in college. Like he was, you know, but I think again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dig out the uh, Milton and Shakespeare and, and stuff and start looking for <laughs> references with, with Springsteen. You should get it. It's, it's there. He just wants to throw a lot of images and nobody does it better where he comes up with this stuff. Well, I know where a little more now because he just had notebooks and notebooks and notebooks and kept, I, for all of these songs, there are somewhere a pile of notebooks with words that he didn't use. I, I do know that partially this, this album was influenced by uh, a book by historian Howard Zinn, the, a people's history of the United States. So that, that, that was a, a non-autobiographical stuff probably at least sparked some of the stories there. Yeah, or or gave him that perspective of where the point of view to put the mm-hmm. point of view on the people, the average everyday people, instead of um, you know just talking about big things or talking about a country as a whole, you know, talking about individual stories. He's got that um, one at the end, um, the reason, reason to, to believe. believe, which I think is again when you look at the way the album goes, and it's kind of like. Nebraska just puts you that that harmonica kind of puts you in a kind of good mood. And if you didn't know what the lyrics were about, Nebraska would put you in this great mood. You know, it's just a great <laughs> kind of folksy song. And then hit you with Atlantic City and the ringing guitar, very well played acoustic guitar. And then uh, Mansion is slower, Johnny ninety nine, Highway Patrolman slower, State Trooper kind of in the middle, but but it's got to be. Uh, used car slower and then open all night as a shuffle. Yeah, my father's house is a, you know, a Preggio um, folk song. And then you get to reason and believe it. It's just that little whiff of the, the harmonica, you know, and a little, we're getting back into a shuffle again with the harmonica 
and that everybody has a reason to believe. It's still a very, the lyrics are depressing, <laughs> but it's, but at the end, everybody's got a reason to believe. And it's a great ending for all of the bad stuff that has happened in the album. Where can this baby be? Still at the end of every hard-earned day I'll find some reason to believe. You know, just like the narrator in Atlantic City, these guys are so... They're not in control of their destiny, probably just like the people in Zinn's book and in, in, in the way he approaches history and just like the 1982 recession of what was happening to blue-collar workers. They're not in control of their destiny, but somehow even these characters still make little statements like, you know, uh, maybe everything dies, someday comes back. You know, in the end of every hard-earned day, people still find a reason to believe. And I think, look... I'll go back to it. Like why listen to blues music? Why would we do that to ourselves? Right. If it's not cathartic. Was this album you know, popular in, in Jersey when it came out? No, I wouldn't say that this album was uh, super popular. It was released and Atlantic city and state trooper were singles and they had some charting success. This sold a lot less than any of the other uh, albums. The way they marketed it was on the vinyl album in the store, it had a little sticker that said Bruce Springsteen's first solo album. I do not think that was Springsteen's idea to do it that way, like to, to promote it that way and everything. But um, The River and Hungry Heart was his still a much bigger hit than any of these songs. And Born to Run, obviously, was a much bigger hit. But Born to Run got him initial success and then there was a big lull before he got another hit. So they were starting to get worried. So like Thunder Road was on Born to Run, right? Yeah, Thunder Road is another one. Yeah, that was the album did pretty well in 75. I was young at the time, but I always remember at the Jersey Shore and stuff, there was around the time of the river, I would have been really young, but still conscious enough of this. Like Springsteen was kind of like a local celebrity at that point. You knew that he had, you knew he had, he was in the music industry and stuff, but it was like Springsteen, you know, the guy from the shore. And that changed with born in the USA, but not Nebraska. It changed a little bit with hungry heart. That was a pretty big national hit. And then it changed with born in the USA, not Nebraska so much. Nebraska was, I think Springsteen wanted to do this album. Well, I was curious. Cause, cause I mean, the, you know, if you've got, you know, say Thunder Road and Rosalita and, and, you know, those, those fast, yeah. you know, almost bar tracks that or on the Jersey shore, you know, you could, you could picture those playing anywhere you went. Whereas this one's not really one you can put on in the background while people are having fun. It's not that, that type of album. Yeah, no, no. It's just Atlantic city. The song that got a little airplay and mm -hmm. they pretty quickly wanted, in fact, so Nebraska in a way begets born in the USA because now the record company's like, Bruce, uh, come on here. We, we let you do your thing. Now, now help us out. <laughs> Dancing in the Dark is kind of a direct... Um, Springsteen wrote that song. He made that song. He made it sound like he did. But that's very much influenced by record company pressure. I forgot about that one. And him realizing, okay, I need a hit here. So Dancing in the Dark um, on Born to Run is like kind of a, a result of what he got from the performance of Nebraska. Like, okay. Okay. But what you really are hearing is Springsteen's of two minds. 
you have the guy that is um, that Rosalita, that stage performer. And then you have, um, and from what I understand, they took these songs and the E Street Band did do some good jobs. Max Weinberg talks about it. They got some tapes of, of Nebraska, what it's like with a band. But, but it's, I think Springsteen also has within him this other person. And that's what comes out of Nebraska. And certainly if you're a fan of Springsteen, you gotta, it has to be given a listen. You know, it, uh, it may not be the favorite album, but um, I just think it, uh, you know, it, it holds up well. And the reverb on um, from that portable recorder translated into the, the master tape, that reverb is haunting and it's great on a cassette Walkman with like big earphones and stuff or, or, or a car car audio audio system or if you have an old stereo i'm sure too that reverb comes off really really great not as so much on the i did see that in in hindsight there's been a lot of uh a lot of accolades given to this album you know it's it's on those lists of you know the thousand albums to listen to before you die sort of thing Mm -hmm. that you know despite because it, it wasn't what everyone was expecting at the time but over the years people have definitely come and given it its due and there's a lot of tribute albums on YouTube. People have recorded the whole thing. And some of them are great. I, I turned to some of them trying to get a, uh, you know, a YouTube of this album to listen to on the background and stuff. And, uh, oh, and I got, at first I was like, oh, this is, this is not Springsteen. And then I started listening. <laughs> some people have done some really good versions, um, adding, um, you know, uh, female vocalists to the background and, and I think because Springsteen gives you too little, what better foundation to work with as an artist, right? And add your own to it. Um, well, I, I've always loved the band's version of Atlantic City with with Levon Helm singing, and uh, they got the it's a it's a bluegrassy version. I've mm-hmm. always loved that that uh, alternate take on that. It's a fast song, and you can do a lot. Um, you know, it 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 has the potential to be a slamming song. And I think that probably in the works, he's he's doing his box sets in order. I, I bet you this is coming. A Nebraska box set is coming, and there'll probably be some other takes that'll be real interesting to hear. He does oh, Atlantic yeah, they City. Would be. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when he comes to Philly or Atlantic City, he always performs Atlantic City. Makes a point of that. If he's either at the Spectrum or if he's at, um, um, uh, I don't think there's a stadium that he can that can hold him in Atlantic City. But if he's Have in the Meadowlands. In the spectrum in Philly, yeah, once. Um, yeah, I was like, it was like seeing a god. I mean, <laughs> I was I was on the other side, uh, you know, with tickets that they basically said it was the the back of the um, the stadium. In other words, you were on the other side of where he was performing. And they said, don't worry, he'll come around. And he, he did. He played the whole stadium in the spectrum and... Um, doesn't I guess the spectrum's gone now, but it was the old it was the old arena in Philly. Oh, I, I he, he was just great. I have not seen him since, um, but uh, I, I kind of like the studio stuff. To be honest, though, I'm kind of like a. Uh, I got to see him at Bonnaroo. He headlined in like uh, mm-hmm. 2010, 2011, somewhere in there, 2009. So one of those. I was I was I went several years in a row, and um, I didn't know what to expect. But it, it, he put on a hell of a show, and oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you get he's you get winded watching him, 
He's he's sprinting up and down the stage, and uh, he did a, a fantastic thing. It, it was right after his Tom Joad album came out, so whenever that was, and the first part of his set was all the Tom Joad stuff, which nobody was really kind of into. Uh, but for the second half of his set, uh, he went out into the crowd and gathered up signs, and then they, you know, would, would you know, he had a stack of signs and pulled one out and it would be like, you know, Thunder Road, you know, that that's how they played his classics. And a great moment though. One of them was, uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. And <laughs> this is June and in the middle of, uh, Tennessee. So it was hot. It was like 90 degrees still. And at, at 10 o'clock at night, and uh, so he starts yelling at the crowd, it's, it's too damn hot for Christmas. But, and as he's <laughs> chastising the crowd, um, the piano starts in on, on the beginning of their version of that. It was, it was great. It was really, awesome. really, it was really a lot of fun to see him up there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I do remember him saying something like, you know, uh, somebody next to us was asking like, uh, this was, this was in 92. I think when I saw him and somebody next to him was asking like, us, uh, oh, what's the opening band? And I, and I, and opening band for Bruce. And uh, then, you know, he played for two hours, and that's when he comes over and says, you guys feel like listening to a few more songs? I feel like playing a little bit longer. Okay. <laughs> played for, like, another two hours. Incredible. Incredible guy. I think, like, um, he's unique. And what, like, kind of, what's the best way to say it? It's like he sings songs. You know, right now, you, you take it back to politics and history, where there's so much talk about, well, the Rust Belt, manufacturing jobs. We got to respect people with all the, you know, you don't have to tell that to Springsteen. He has been singing these songs since the 70s. You know, and a lot of it, some of it's based on his father's experience and his life growing up in Freehold, pretty like working class town and stuff. But he sings songs about people that others don't. And I mean, there's no album more of that than Nebraska. He connects with people in a really real way. And it's especially true in Jersey. We love him in Jersey, but um, obviously it's not like limited to that. He has that, that his songs also can reach out all around the world and enter to a lot of parts of America and still, you know, fit. And that's what I think is great. And, uh, um, but he is, uh, you know, he is a, we take him as a, as a Jersey treasure, you know? So, uh, Nebraska made your top spot. What albums made your short list? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, it's close. And, uh, so I would put a, first of all, Springsteen darkness at the edge of town, uh, as, uh, probably that's probably my number two spring. I even rating them a hard cause they're, they're good for different, different ways, but yeah. I love like, um, I love darkness. And I think that's another very powerful, if dark album, obviously it's of the name, not as desperate, but a little bit, uh, great songs like prove it all night. Great stuff. A Badlands. Um, again, you know, singing, uh, you know, you obviously must've liked that movie. <laughs> and, uh, I'd also say the Joshua tree. I was thinking about that when you were asking me what the favorite album, Joshua tree is very formative for me. U2, uh, Fleetwood Mac Rumors. I would listen to that over and over again and still do. A couple of classics there, yeah. Steely Dan, Asia, um, David Bowie, Ziggy, Ziggy Stardust. You know, but I would really, Rumors alone, I could listen to for, for weeks, you know, just to 
just so and that's another one with some fantastic you know backstory to the album itself oh absolutely that's another one and even that it's generational it has to do with the a lot of it's the changing from the the 60s and some of the baby boomers and what kind of music they were they needed at that point um it's it has its whole great story it has some great tracks and yeah somebody's got to do that one with you but i could listen to that one again and it's another album where if you listen to the songs independently now i don't like uh don't stop thinking about tomorrow just like i said like originally i didn't like mansion on the hill but in the context of the evan album don't stop thinking about tomorrow comes alive. And so does mansion on the hell here in the, that's, that's a very valid point that a lot of people do miss that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of tracks that you can, you know, skip. They just, mm-hmm. you know, you hear them on the radio, let me change the channel. But when you hear that same song in the context of an album, it's there for a reason and it, and it flows perfectly you know, as intended. Everybody just needs cassette players. I just, <laughs> we got to go back to cassette because it's the perfect it really is the perfect um, combination, if you ask me. You are a true historian if you want to bring back the cassette. <laughs> the sound quality. I think people forget a cassette Walkman, the, the, the way reverb sounds is like an orchestra. And, and all the albums I mentioned. Oh, U2 War is another one that sounds great on that. But it's also that you can fast forward. So I realize we need an emergency shoot. We're, there are some times we're not going to want to listen to the song that's next. And I get it. We're human beings, but it does make you pay for it. It's the right combination of, if you want to skip the song, you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to fast forward and wait for that tape to go. (laughs) So normally you're just going to listen to it as the artist intended, which maybe there's something to that. Uh, if, If I think back, the first kind of cassette rock album that I got my hands on that I kind of listened to front and back, front and back, over and over again was, was full moon fever from Tom Petty. Dad, if you're listening, I'm sorry if that particular cassette, you know, disappeared from your collection to never be seen again. Uh, but that was one where there's all kinds of songs that you just, you never hear on the radio, but you hear them in that, in that album. It's, it's, it's almost a perfect album to me. Oh yeah. And that, that's um, now, do I have that right? Is that, is that the one with free fallen? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. That would be a great, yeah, great one. I think anything with, with, with with a ringing um, is great for for that earphone earphone sound, and um, you know, of course, there's downsides. We can't go back to cassettes because they do they do the tape gets broken and pulled out, and there's there's certainly downsides. And I use almost exclusively MP3s now for everything because it's just more yeah. convenient. But I will tell you, there is a sound loss, no doubt in my mind. No matter what, you can adjust the treble in the bass. There is a sound loss. And, you know, you take an album like Abbey Road. I mean, if you listen to it on vinyl, mm-hmm. you get a different experience. You listen to it on CD or MP3, you get a different experience. It's completely, for some reason, some albums, and Abbey Road always pops into my head first, it's just completely different is the best way I could say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think there's whole genres like the, the country music with women singers took off and the CD got it, it invented because it does celebrate the, the, the higher notes a little better. Um, where the records have kind of a warm sound, a little bit of a generalization, but sort of true. No doubt, music will sound differently by, like, for instance, now I've never heard Nebraska on an album because, and I wasn't listening to this album in 1982. I was listening to this album in, like, you know, anywhere from 91 to uh, 
2005 to 2022. You know, that's when I was listening. So I actually hadn't, haven't heard it, I believe, on an album. It's always been either MP3 or, uh, or cassette. But I'm sure it has a different, yeah, it has a different quality. Well, just so you know, my cousin wants to bring the 8-track back. So he's, <laughs> he'll, he'll die on that hill. <laughs> hey, you know, I had, a, I had one of those a long, long time ago, but it was definitely an eBay purchase. It wasn't in my lifetime kind of, it, it, you know, I wasn't around for the, for the height of that, you know, similar to cassette tape in terms of like quality, but also they're getting all beat up. So you lose, if you're buying eight tracks off eBay, then you're losing that. And then the only advantage is, yeah, the lower integrity. Yeah. You never have to turn it off. You never have to uh, skip or do anything. It just keeps repeating. It's kind of like a CD in that way. It just, you, it'll play forever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's in a, so Springsteen is an eight track artist. He's an, he's an artist that would have intersected a lot of his albums. Um, this one probably was released probably at that time. They were just probably at the end. But definitely uh, Born to Run, The River, were eight tracks releases too. You know, you were at the time we had to release all those versions. Yeah, I, I got to know you. This is the technically the sixth studio album from Bruce. You know, whether it's band or solo, you know, either or. Like they said, it was his first solo album, but still the sixth studio album. So he had several before this one. Yeah, and River was two volume two. Uh, two records was double album. So, um, the river, I think he kind of like used up a lot of his, like, I don't want to say poppy, but there's an element of like, uh, they're, they're pop songs on the river for the most part. And you get a hint of what's coming with Nebraska with a few, like a few songs about driving down the road and everything or fade to black, but fade away. Goody. Um, Fade Away could have made it on Nebraska, you know, but I think that also informed his approach. Like, I've done so much of this type of music and it's time for me to do, you know, as an artist, I think they are always, the good ones are always pushing themselves. And I heard the guy, like the, the producer from the record company, I think Bruce was successful enough that they didn't resist Nebraska. They didn't resist his weirdo attempt to like make the demo album, the, uh, you know, make it the, the album. They were in a mode of, this guy's been relatively successful. He's growing. Let's make the artist happy. Yeah, he had some clout there to make that happen, yeah. He did have some clout. I mean, he had been successful enough um, with his contracts, and uh, Born to Run had been a huge hit. And it was like, well, you know, I mean, um, I think artists have to push themselves. Dylan is constantly, was you know, reinventing himself, doing new things, and if an artist, if he were just to make Rosalita type or even born to run type songs, look, I love born to run as an album, but there is something about born to run. That's a little bit hyperdrive, a little bit. Every song is like, like he, he was on purpose. That's what he was trying. That album, by the way, is a, is a, is a night in Asbury park, New Jersey. All the songs is a night various stories of a night in Asbury. Car, a lot of cars okay. and, engines and revving if he did that and constantly kept doing that you know if you two kept doing jingle jangle and didn't like switch to to octung baby and that type of stuff these artists would never if they didn't like you know if they don't make changes 
they wither away and they don't become great artists. And I think Nebraska, you see something that's very unique, maybe not even commercially successful, but it shows a change in, it shows him working some things out that are going to come out in the, um, in born in the USA. You might see it reflected a little bit in Tom Joad, like that type of approach. He, uh, he eventually had that, that I think it might've won an Oscar, the song from Philadelphia, the movie, um, streets of Philadelphia, streets of Philadelphia. I love that song. That's a great yeah, one. That that's kind of on brand with this album. Really? The, the, his, you know, the, the slower voice, the would have fit right in Nebraska. Yeah. Ain't no angel going to greet me. You and I, my friend, my clothes don't fit me no more. Walk a thousand miles just to ship my skin. I mean, that would have fit right in, right yeah. in Nebraska. It's a great song. That's the thing. He can rock you, but behind that, I guess that's the best way to, to think about it that people should understand that behind that rocker with a huge band playing for four hours and screaming into the microphone, there's a guy, there's an artist with a voice and you hear it in, um, you hear it in a lot of songs. I mean, you hear it in darkness on the edge of town, but you hear it really raw in Nebraska. Not every artist, you know, allows you to see that. I guess is a good way to, yeah, raw is really the best way to describe it. I mean, he's he's putting it out there, you know, from from the first uh, woo, you know, the, the, I don't know which which uh, which track you really first hear that on, but he has several on there where he's with the echo on the end. Is yodeling? I mean, hey, that's yeah. a little bit of you know, Hank Williams, um, a lot yeah, of other yeah. artists, little influence on him. You know, he had that um, probably some of his father's music. He yodels. He's got. He can. He can. He can do it. Like and that, and that's the the great thing. Anybody who tries, like I play a little guitar from time to time, but I can't. You know, we can maybe sing some songs. We can't yodel like him. We can't. We can't do that. That part of it. You know, that's a that's a classic Springsteen and adds an element of that desperation in, in a uh, and it's country. You know, it's country without going Nashville. You know, it's a Jersey kind of country. It's a folk kind of music uh that uh, is like you know the essence of the original country was to be regular people making music and that's what he does on this album well before we wrap this up please tell our listeners what you are working on uh where they can find you and anything you'd like to pitch sure thanks um my podcast is my history can beat up your politics we're over there at www.myhistorycanbeatupyourpolitics.com it's a politics with a funny name, but it basically, you know, uh, we don't beat up anyone, but we do try to uh, beat up perceptions of current politics by applying historical context. What happened in the past that could inform things today. And honestly, that's what I spend most of my time doing. So if people want to see what I'm working on, I mean, it's it's a, we do a cast almost weekly now and it's uh, uh, it's great fun. And I appreciate you being a listener. I really appreciate you having me on, too. I can't speak highly enough about that, that podcast. Uh, you'll learn a lot. It's uh, it's really some fascinating stuff and the, the extra work you do on the research really comes out. It's, it's a very well done podcast. Oh, thank you much. I mean, I learned, I learned doing it. So you know, if, if, if there was one listener, I would still learn a lot. It's kind of my Nebraska. <laughs> there you go. That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> well, 
Bruce, I'd like to thank you for your time today. It was a pleasure to sit and talk with you about Springsteen's Nebraska. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Good luck with this cast. I hope it's going to be it's going to be right up there pretty soon. Music is popular. Thank you for listening to Music Rewind, a podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. As I always say, listen to the full album. Until next time. A podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Back to you, anchors.